My name is Terry Messenger. work with high achievers that have an innate sense that they are called to impact the world. Hello, hello, and welcome to our morning show. And this is your live mini class with Terry Messenger's Genius Zone. And this is the place and the space that I love to bring highly talented and gifted people on board to add value. But also it's a very important element to really tap into the genius zone of each and every person because everybody I believe has a unique gift. And what this unique gift does is it allows you to rise into your greatest status and be the one and only person just like you in your field. This is your own unique blueprint, and this is made up of your life experiences. So we share and we become really transparent here as we reach our audience. So with no further ado, I'm gonna bring on a beautiful woman, and this lady is the Chief Officer of Her Leadership, her name is Rochelle and she has a degree in psychology and she's also done a postgraduate in career development and education. She has a group where she supports women and she helps by having masterclasses every month, putting people on the hot seat and she believes that you need to take responsibility for your own life, and I couldn't agree more. So with no further ado, I'm bringing on the beautiful Rochelle. Hi. Hi, Rochelle. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me here as your guest. You're certainly welcome. So where are you? Uh, I am in Brisbane. So we are... um, wearing masks at the moment but not in lockdown so it's not a bad place to be in the world okay so masks but not lockdown absolutely isn't it incredible how the world just changed suddenly yeah it is and and it's it's a bit of a roller coaster ride i'm finding it's very much up and down um things change on a dime and you've just got to be ready for it and and roll with it um so i think yeah world's a different place Absolutely. I I cannot agree more because, you know, for people who are very resistant to anything like this, that feel like they're, you know, trapped or they feel stuck or they feel like they're beyond their control, I mean, it's going to be like living in a prison. You're going to live in that space. So rather than do that, you it's, it's all about liberation. It's all about the way you look at life, what you make of it and, and, you know, and how we can change our perspective. But I would love you to share, Rochelle, you know, your own personal joy in the work that you do, your zone of genius, and, you know, what you're offering to women out there. Yeah, sure. Um, 
So the joy in what I do, I help women in organizations, mid to large organizations who are, have returned to their careers um, from time out, whether that's as a mum caring for children or sometimes we're caring for um, our elders. And as women, we're generally the people that do that and have time out of work. Uh, and so I help those women to get back into the groove and get from the, the top of their sort of individual traits to becoming a leader in their organisation. Uh, and I do that through the Her Leadership Way membership group or Accelerate Your Leadership membership group. Um, and it brings me so much joy to work with these women who are leaders in everything but role. Uh, and they're just a little bit stuck in getting to that next level. Um, so I get to work with them on their inner leader, bringing that inner leader out, showing her at work and showing others what she can do. Um, and it's just, it's exciting. I love it. They're, they're amazing women. And I get to help women that get to help other women. They get to make a difference in the workplace. And that's what I love the most about it. So you're a leader of leaders, much yes. like myself. You know, um, I know someone called me a master of masters, which I thought was amazing. You know, people that are very masterful at what they do. And, you know, I guess, you know, what is it about these women that you believe uh, that they're really needing your support? Like what are some of the symptoms that they're actually going through? A lot of it is just frustration at it feeling stuck. So they know they have more to give. They know that they can do leadership roles in, in organizations really well. And they're just frustrated at not getting the opportunities to get there. Um, and do you think holding them back from that opportunity? Like if they're frustrated because they're not given the opportunity, yeah, what is what's between them and that, you know, that big leap? Yeah. It's often so if you ask them, they will often say their confidence levels. Um, and that's certainly part of it. There is more to it than that. So it is a lot of mindset shifts that we need to work through and really understanding who we are at the core, how we can interpret situations differently and how we can bring those interpretations to our leadership strengths as well and help others do the same thing. So mm -hmm. I, I love that I get to teach leaders how to be leaders and how to teach others how to be leaders. It's, um, you know, it, it sort of means that I get to make a bigger impact than just those women that I'm working with. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, yeah do you think it's around their identity, like who they are, in, you know, like... It, is it isn't an identity situation in in this you know with a lot of their confidence and their you know some of their struggles yeah it definitely is so often when we become mums in particular we tend to lose part of our identity that we had prior. So, you know, for me, I was going up the career ladder before I was a mum. I'd got to quite a high height and then I stepped back and I actually took 12 years out of my career uh, and I wasn't sure who I was anymore. I, I was called mum and I wasn't clear on what that meant. Um, I didn't feel quite fulfilled being only a mum. Um, and some people are, and I think that's fantastic, but it wasn't for me. And I find the same with a lot of the women that I'm working with. It's not that they don't love being a mum, but they know there's more for them um, in this world. And, and part of that is leading others. So, 
Yeah, there's, there's a bit of a loss there. Yeah, that's amazing because it's interesting that how I attract avatars and, you know, this is a topic that I, I actually was discussing in another podcast where I had actually lost my identity after I had my children. And, you know, I think it's a really um, serious problem because it's not that I didn't love being a mum because, you know, motherhood did come to me easily. It's, uh, I think it's just a, a, an inner feeling that especially when you're a high achiever, if you are a businesswoman or you are driven, like most of the women that I attract, you know, they're very high achieving and so therefore their expectations are high as well. And so if they're not meeting those expectations, quite often they can land in that, you know, space of disappointment. Yeah. And, you know, really feel the, the lack of confidence. But, you know, speaking of identity, there was a, a little bit of a glitch when I was tracking you down. And um, the reason being is because, of course, your name is Rochelle Marie, um, as it appears on Facebook. And, you know, interestingly enough, though, you're, you're actually, that is a, a kind of a name that you go by. Can you talk about that? And what made you create that name um, rather than the name that I guess you had? Yeah. So I guess I've had several names and I think that was where it started. So I had my maiden name and then I got married and I was married for 16 years. And then we separated and got divorced but I still had two children that had the same surname as their father and as me at that stage. And so I wasn't, I wasn't willing to let go of the part of my identity that held on to them name-wise. So I kept my married name for quite a number of years. Um, in fact, until I got remarried, I was still going under my married name. However, I didn't feel like that person anymore. And my options were to go back to my maiden name or keep my married name. And I thought about going back to my maiden name that I hadn't been for 16 years. And that didn't feel like me either. I had changed a lot in the time since I'd been married and divorced. And so I didn't want to go back to my maiden name. I didn't feel entirely comfortable in my married name, but that's what I kept to make things simple with the kids. And so on Facebook, I just became my first and middle name. And that's what I've been known as for the last five or six years. Um, so nothing to do with my business, just to do with identity and, and who I um, relate to. And I think hmm. that to me is my core. The, the surname didn't matter as much to me. So now I have remarried and I have taken my husband's surname because, again, I didn't want to go backwards, but I'm not... Second or third time lucky for you? Second time, second time lucky, although there was a, a relationship in the middle that thankfully didn't lead to marriage. Um, but I still feel comfortable being me and me is Rochelle Marie and my surname doesn't I just don't want it to define me so I, I leave it off Facebook altogether yep no that's awesome so you know your psychology days you know obviously bringing that into what you do with women today obviously you know there is one element I know about true leaders 
who are really passionate and that is that they themselves have been through their own pain because you know that's when we become an authority and this is like such a big part of our zone of genius so can I ask you about, you know, what really moves you and what really creates that passion in you um, that is driven from a place of brokenness that has put you where you are now? Yeah. So there's a few stories that I can tell. There's a few brokenness stories in my history that I can tell in this space. Um, and I think the one that I'll talk about today is, in fact, a personal one, although there is a leadership one as well. But they both lead to the same place. So um, I think as all things do, as all, <laughs> I find that all things lead to the same path. And, you know, when you clear them, you're sort of like you, you've got this huge domino effect. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is quite amazing when you can look back and see that. Um, so this is about the relationship that I had in between husbands. Um, sounds terrible, but I was in a relationship with a man for three years and uh, it turned out that he had narcissistic personality disorder, which was not something I'd heard about before. In fact, before ending the relationship or before the relationship ended, I had no idea that this was a thing. Um, I thought narcissists were people that looked in the mirror a lot. And that was about as much as I knew about it. Um, but there's certainly a lot more to narcissistic personality disorder than that. Um, so I, for the last probably six months to a year of that three-year relationship, um, went through a lot of torment and a lot of uh, not trusting myself. They're very good masters of manipulation. Uh, they're very excellent at gaslighting. And so it results in often uh, not, not believing what you're seeing, not believing what you're hearing, not believing what your gut is telling you. Uh, mm. And instead you doubt everything. Um, and so you so, become, become very like, you know, you become like in that world of indecision and self-doubt? Completely, completely just thinking one thing and then hearing another and being told constantly that you're, what you're thinking is over-dramatising or um, that didn't really happen or you're, you know, stop making a big deal about things that's, you know, that's not what... It's not what you're saying. That didn't happen. Um, even though in your mind you know it did, there's enough doubt that you start to disbelieve yourself and your own eyes and your own ears. It's a, it's a very... I think, you know, as a psychologist, like with a, obviously a degree in psychology, what do you believe um, causes very intelligent women like yourself to suddenly fall for that trap, you know, to suddenly um, doubt themselves and believe that what they're thinking and feeling is not true and, um, you know, what happens to them? Is it because they're in a web and that they're sort of in that constant immersion because we, we both know that, you know, who you actually mix with, like the sum of people that you mix with, the energy is so important. So do you think it's just is it environmental or is it something at a psychological level or what is it that causes that to happen? There's, I think there's two main things. The first, 
the first bit that gets you into that web that you were talking about is unmet needs that you haven't necessarily identified well and um, narcissistic personality disorder people can see them quite easily and manipulate them quite easily so they will see an unmet need and they will tap into that um, they're often very over the top early on in relationships so particularly when you've come out of a marriage and you know you're feeling a bit broken and battered and bruised and you know not entirely sure of yourself anymore um, they're very good at being able to fill that gap for you and make you feel like a princess um, they put you on a pedestal and they will uh, one of the red flags that I learned is they will tell you they love you very early on so you feel very loved and very safe early on so I think that's sort of the starting point is unmet needs that you haven't clearly identified and started to meet yourself which is a lesson that I learned really well through this situation um, and then I think it becomes that frog in a boiling pot you it doesn't start out that way at all it starts out you know lovely and turned up slowly 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 things turn up until you don't realize how different things have become from where they started wow. uh, and at that point you are starting to doubt yourself you're often isolated from family and friends because they've purposely um, you know pulled you out of that circle in my case it was through a business so he had a business and he um, pulled me into that business and so my life was spent working full-time, running the business full-time around my work, you know, my nine-to-five job and then running his business nine-to-five, um, five-to-nine, I guess it was. Um, and so I didn't have time to socialise. I'd moved to a new area. I didn't have time to make new friends. I didn't see my family and friends as often, you know, from my old life sort of thing. And so um, I, d I became isolated and mm. I didn't have as many people to bounce things off and to reflect to me, hey, what's happening right now isn't right because they weren't seeing it. They, they yes. could hear what I was telling them, but I was doubting myself. So I wasn't very yes. clear what I was telling them. Wow, that's incredible. So what did you do to actually, you know, catapult yourself out of that? So, I mean, obviously the, the first step was that you made the decision to leave. No. No. And I wish I had, oh. but no, no. Uh, he, he got to the point where, so this is what happens later in a narcissistic personality disorder relationship, um, you don't become the flavour of the month anymore. And so he had got to the point where he was having an emotional affair with someone else, which is also quite common. Um, they won't leave someone until they've got someone else ready to go to. Uh, and so he was working on that. And I picked up on it. And this is where a lot of the doubt was coming through. And he was telling me I wasn't seeing what I was seeing. Uh, and they got to a point where there were two days in a row where he'd stopped talking to me altogether. And I forced the issue at that point and said, okay, are we over? Is that it? Um, because I can't I can't stand the limbo stuff. I'm, I don't, you know, even in the state that I was in, I wasn't ready to play those kind of games. Over there. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And, and his answer was, well, probably, but I might change my mind soon. And I'm like, no, there's no change in your mind. Once this is done, this is done. And he said, well, okay, it's done. And I, I'm thinking he was trying to call my bluff. Um, and I said, okay, then it's done. And I said, I'm moving to my parents for three days. I want you out of here when I get back. 
Um, so yeah, I didn't, I wasn't at the point where I ended the relationship, but I was at the point where I wasn't willing to let it drag on. Um, yeah. And so um, I wouldn't say it was a mutual decision. I would still say it was his decision, but it was the best decision that he ever made for me uh, because very soon after I had maybe one day of that, that anger and grief cycle that you go through, uh, and then the next day, I was like, "Oh, thank goodness! <laughs> this is right, just that, a was that was very, very quick." And it you was. know, yeah, it's 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 interesting, you know, because you've got two sides here of the the coin, right? You've got the person who is going through um, this strange kind of uh, web of narcissism, where they're doubting themselves and they're you know, they're really looking and second-guessing everything that they're doing and feeling isolated. And then you've got the person who is a narcissist themselves. So from where I am, you know, it, whether you are the, you're on this side of the fence or you're on that side of the fence, you know, my question to you, because I know that you are all about women taking responsibility, who is responsible in this? You know, like, is there really a victim in this or is it that you've got two people that actually attracted each other into one another's lives because one fulfilled the other's codependent need? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was a lesson that I learned actually sometime after the relationship had ended, but that was the exact lesson that I learned that, we were both 100% responsible for that situation, not 50-50, yeah. both 100% responsible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think one of the key lessons in that, though, that I had to understand is that taking responsibility is not the same as taking blame. There's a huge okay. difference. Huge Absolutely, difference. 100%. Um, the blame game or the person who won't take responsibility and will blame the other person um, but I hear you like really stepping into that that power and saying okay I'm responsible here it's like am I going to stay here and just allow this to happen yeah. so you know you know from your perspective being a psych you know with a psychology degree what do you reckon the higher purpose? Now, this is going to be a big question because it's not about you. It's about the other side of the coin. What do you reckon the other side of the fence is the highest purpose for the narcissist to be in that kind of a relationship? What is the higher purpose for them? What are they trying to achieve? Uh I'm not going to pretend that I can get into the mind of a narcissist because it is quite a different mindset than most people. Um, my understanding is, and this is true in his case, they go through trauma at quite a young age and they get stuck at that age. Um, so for him, it was 12 years of age. And so he's never really gone past that uh, from a from a sort of 
emotional, psychological perspective. Yeah. He's stuck at, at 12 years of age. So um, 12 years of age, because obviously, you know, when you're in like, because I'm a, a therapist and um, I'm teaching and training people about this as well, you know, not only am I dealing with the people on one side of the fence, but I'm also dealing with the people on the other side of the fence as well. Mm-hmm. And what I usually discover is that, you know, my husband's got a saying and it is that you cannot give away anything you don't have. Mm -hmm. So from where the person with narcissism is standing, you know, I wonder what their deep need is and what it is about themselves because, you know, the world is a mirror. So if they're constantly putting self-doubt into that other person and causing that other person to feel that, you know, where they're second-guessing themselves and they're in that world of self-doubt, could it be that really they are rooted in that themselves? Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. There's there's very low self-esteem, um, a lot of self-doubt, uh, a lot of feeling judged all the time. Um, yep. yeah, they're, yeah, they're definitely putting out what they're feeling. Um, it's, yes. it's a, yeah, when you look back, it's very clear to see. When you're in it, it's not so clear. I was I was talking to a client actually just recently and there was someone really significant, but it wasn't a marriage partner. It was actually someone related to him and he was feeling so much hatred toward this person because, you know, he described her as being a narcissist and she was very relevant in his life. And, you know, she was manipulative and and this is what he was describing. But, you know, I never knew anybody that actually drunk poison and expected the other person to die from it, you know. Mm. And so one of the things that I do and, you know, I I guess this is like a little process that I take people through and this is what I did for for this man is, you know, I, I asked him to go back to his childhood, to his to the first beginning of time where he had a really traumatic event. Mm -hmm. Now, what had actually happened to him, he was in a situation where he was pinned down. He was a child, he had no control, and, you know, he felt helpless. So in that moment, I got him to actually look at what was going on for the other person. And then as... He went back to before that and kind of recognised what it was because even though that was a very unique event that happened for him, all the traumatic events that he seemed to collect throughout his life with different people, completely different situations, held the same energy. So once we went back and we dissolved and cleared and actually released that part of it, I knew the biggest element was actually the forgiveness. It was it was being able to let go and forgive. So there was no karmic patterns left. And actually when I took him back to, well, it was actually his grandmother, okay? So his grandmother, like before his own birth, and way back to the beginning of time to where his grandmother was just a tiny little girl. He was able to recognise in that child that what she had done to him 
was actually what she was suffering. She didn't have that to give. So it's interesting that when I was able to ask him what she needed, everything, all the ingredients, you know, love, joy, peace, all of those elements, it was almost as if it was, you know, it was not just giving it to her for that legacy, but it was also giving it to himself. Not so he could let her off the hook because I don't ask people to, to do that, but so it dissolved and cleared every, you know, skerrick of negativity that he held in his body. And it was very interesting that the following day, that was his first session, and the, the following day he just felt so free and so light. And, you know, it's it's interesting when we look at what the other person that may have afflicted, hurt, or caused us pain, what was going on for them. It kind of changes the perspective. But what would you say to women? Like, obviously, when you're obviously giving guidance to women that you're leading, can you tell us about, you know, the, the kind of methods that you teach them and, you know, what you practice to help them take ownership and to really take responsibility for their own lives? Yeah, so part of it is just understanding that that's something that we can do so I think we often float through life um, looking at all of the reasons why something hasn't happened for us or to us uh, and not recognizing what level of control we actually have over our own lives um, so we go through a lot of mindset work and inner work and bringing out um, you know different understandings of how we think and how we operate and really bring that inner leader out um, and show the world because I know with the women that I work with they are leaders already they're just not showing the world in the way the world needs to see it yet so um, yeah we do a lot of that sort of mind work and um, inner, inner work to bring that out um, and part of that is understanding this this concept of taking 100% responsibility for your life. And I think often in the career world, we're waiting for our managers or, you know, our seniors to notice us and help us get promoted and, you know, work with us. And, and that's a complete, um, you know, that's the slow road basically to becoming oh, wow. a leader. It's, it's self-sabotaging really when you're waiting for somebody else to feather your nest yes. and you're waiting for someone else to, to say, well, this is who you are, you could be waiting around for a very, very long time. Exactly. So no, I agree with you fully. In fact, I think it's come from, you know, my own past failures of where I didn't get that um, treatment for uh, from other people. I wasn't one of those lucky people where everything was just given on a golden platter. You know, I failed enough times and I had enough hurts to really build the character to say, you know, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. The only person who can do this is me. Yes. Yeah. That's and exactly. I think when women can really take that stance and know the only person that can create your world, your happiness, your success 
is 100% you. Now, yep. I've, got a, I've got a final question for you, and then I'm going to actually ask you to perhaps just enlighten us about what you do and how people can find you as well. So, because um, I'd love you to talk a little bit about your membership group and how that actually works. Um, so, you know, when it comes to going forward and really helping women to rise in their leadership, what do you think happens to them that changes everything from where they once were to where they arrive? And I guess that the best way to answer that is throughout your own genius zone. So if you look at your own experience to, you know, what it took for you to get to where you are today, can you give us perhaps two or three um, really hot tips of what it was that you did that really empowered you and put you into this position of leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the first is, is really what we've been talking about, and that's taking 100% responsibility for my entire life. So, you know, once I learned that, looking back at that relationship, that that was my responsibility, I could then apply that to my leadership journey and recognise that, you know, waiting for someone else to notice me or give me the answers or tell me what my gaps are, that was pointless. I had complete control over that. So um, I think that once we recognize that and can start to work with that information and that mindset, things completely change. Um, I think the other thing that I really learned through that experience and, and that I again apply is the idea of having really strong boundaries. Um, so mm -hmm. particularly as mums, we are often um, a little bit wavering on our boundaries because we want to do things for other people. It's how we're socialised, it's how we're brought up as, you know, we're here to serve others and that's not a bad leadership trait. It's actually a really good leadership trait, providing you look after yourself first and putting those boundaries in place is what you need to do um, to help you along that journey so that you know that you can continue through the leadership role without sacrificing yourself and without sacrificing your family. And that can often get in the way of women stepping into a leadership role is that thought that, oh, no, this is going to be too much and I'm going to sacrifice my family so they won't do it. I think the world misses out on a lot of really good leaders because of that. So definitely those, understanding what your boundaries are and then not allowing them to be crossed. Um, that's that's definitely a, a key learning that I got from the experience. Um, yeah. I think the last one is, is one I've touched on as well, that at the end of that experience, I forgot that I could listen to my own intuition. And I think that's, again, something that we as women can bring to leadership really, really deeply, really well, is mm. that listening to your intuition. Um, and I work with my beautiful, amazing mums through, through the membership group on this stuff as well. If you're in a work environment that is making you feel entirely uncomfortable, listen to your gut, listen to your heart, uh, and start taking action on it. And there is a bit of learning the difference between the uncomfortableness of stretching yourself and the uncomfortableness mm -hmm. of a situation that you aren't 
um, that isn't serving you, that they're two different things because yeah. I'm definitely all about stretching yourself and getting into those uncomfortable situations, but not dealing with an uncomfortable situation that isn't serving you. So I think allowing ourselves to really hear that intuition and really trust ourselves that we know mm -hmm. the difference and that we I love that. I love that. And knowing the difference, isn't it? It's yes. it's knowing the difference between stretching and yes. constricting and, and, and going against your own soul almost. Exactly. Exactly. So Rochelle, can you see, like, you know, through uh, all of your, you know, the, the trauma that you went through in that relationship, and for those out there that are watching as well, um, maybe you're in the middle of it. Uh, maybe you're on the tail end of it. Maybe you're in the beginning. Um, but if you're in some kind of a situation that you're really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily need to be a narcissistic relationship. It's just a, it's, it's, it's kind of a situation. I'd call it a situation. Um, like the frog in the hot water that Rochelle talked about where the temperature is starting to turn up and up and up and up and up. Um, you know, if you could go back to before all of that and actually be handed your book of life to say, this is your genius zone. And unfortunately, sorry to tell you this, Rochelle, but great things do not come from cotton wool. We're going to have to stretch you. We're going to have to test you. We're going to have to take you through the fire because out in the future, you are called to be the chief officer of her leadership, of helping women. So we want you to actually go through all of that. It's like a test. It's like going into the army or going through the police force or, or going through you know, anything where you are put under pressure. You know, I wonder what would happen if everybody could look at their life like that and if you could go back to before all of that time and be given that book so you can see, you can write your future and say, that's my zone of genius. That is why it has happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I, I, I guess that's another lesson that I got from that experience is I now look at any any struggle, any tough time, any challenge, and I'm like, why is this happening for me? Uh, and I get so much more out of those times just by asking. I noticed your wording there. That was really clever. You're not yeah. saying, why is this happening to me? You're saying, why is this happening for me? Very good verbiage. Take that as a gold nugget, everyone, because, you know, it's that perspective shift that could change any anything. Now, if you're a leader out there, you're a high-driven success person, but you're in transition and you're really wanting to make that next level leap to owning your power, um, how do these women contact you, Rochelle? Uh, so they can go to my website. That's the easiest way. And from there, you'll find me on Facebook. We have a, an amazing Facebook group with a whole lot of women in there um, really connecting. Um, and I love it. So the website is herleadershipway.com. Uh, and yeah, you can find out all about me on there. And then the membership group is for those of you that are really done with the struggle and ready to step into that leadership role far faster than you can do it on your own. That is so, so good. So you are in good hands, guys, if you are ready to take that leap, if you're ready to take that transition. 
So I want to thank you so much for your share, your wisdom, your words, and, you know, just giving, um, you know, people out there also the hope um, that whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, it's all for the genius zone. If you're watching my show, it is all because it's happening, as Rochelle says, for you, not to you. So um, thank you so very, very much. Can I ask you to wait backstage for me and um, I'm just going to come behind the scenes and give you a little gift for being on the show. So thank you so much, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our chat. Awesome. Wasn't she absolutely inspiring? So there you go, guys. It doesn't matter what is happening to you in your life. It's really happening for you and you know taking ownership and claiming your power is so important now if you want to tap into your zone of genius i'm going to ask you to get in contact with me if you feel like you would like to be platformed or even seen on this podcast on this live stream and have yourself really uh, positioned to the world so the world can see your zone of genius you can contact me. If you are wanting to go through the healing of the, the world-class training that I've been doing, that I train coaches in, then this is a time to contact me. And if you are ready to launch your legacy and actually claim your life so that you've got multi-million dollar energy, you've got rich relationships where the karmic patterns are dissolved, and where you can actually claim your prosperity codes and you want to step into your zone of genius and launch your legacy, you need to definitely contact me. And for those of you who want to go into Rochelle's membership group, she will drop it in the comments for you. All the links will be in the comments. And I want to say thank you for holding space. Thank you. And until next Wednesday, uh, Perth time, I will see you then.